This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also streaming live online at WVEW.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Streaming at noons on Sundays. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Derek. And today uh, we have an interview uh, that we conducted recently with uh, two members of the Northeast Antifa organization. Before we get into that interview for today's show, uh, we have a song, People Make the World Go Round by the Stylistics. Let's hit it. This is WEVWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, also streaming live online at WVEW.org. And this is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections, streaming at noon on Sundays. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. The views and opinions of this show are not the opinions of the radio station but that of the guests and the hosts so today's show uh as we said before the song uh is an interview with the northeast antifa uh organization uh it's our full show today so sit back relax and listen in 
Hi, I'm Josh Wyman. I'm joined here with Eric Johnson. We're here today speaking with Zell and Guevara from Northeast Antifa. Zell, Guevara, um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you very much. I wanted to open up this discussion. Who is Northeast Antifa? Who you are as a, as a movement? What is it that your goals are and, and the work that you do uh, in the community? So to start out, I would like to explain what Antifa is and the contextualization between Northeast Antifa and Antifa. So I think to start that, we should start by saying Antifa is not just an ideology. It is not just a concept. Antifa is a decentralized movement with organizations, networks, collectives, etc. within the anti-fascist movement. Northeast Antifa is a specific organization that is active only in New England. We don't use the term New England Antifa because indigenous comrades did not like the fact that it was a colonialist term and we are all leftists, so of course we adopted that policy from day one. Um, so that is what Northeast Antifa is. And we base ourselves on this collective idea of anti-capitalism and intertwining that with anti-fascism. And what we mean by this is that our number one enemy is the United States government. It is not street fascists. We say that because we see that capitalism enables fascism. Capitalism enables racism. And that without a system that prioritizes the needs and the wants, really not the needs, but the wants of the rich class above us, they use that to, to split races and that we see that fascism is capitalism in decay, as Lenin would say. And without just repeating, of course, leftist dogma, um, we see that as that capitalism, when it is in its decaying stages, as we all call late stage capitalism, a reactionary element in society is created to maintain that system. In Washington, D.C., we saw the D.C. police allow paramilitary fascists, not just, we're not talking about conservatives, you're talking about paramilitary fascists and racists who enable that. And you saw them march right in there. If it was us doing that, you would have been shot. If it was black people doing it, they would have been shot. Um, so Northeast Antifa, we are trying to create a community self-defense network. And I'd like to also really push it um, you know, to viewers at the start that we are not terrorists in the mountains in caves plotting to hurt you know, small towns. We are your neighbors. We are your community members. We are engaged in cross-membership in mutual aid organizing, in you know, LGBT rights organizing, in tons of different organizing. And we come together and NEA specifically we are focusing on community defense. We are focusing on intelligence and figuring out who the Nazis are and exposing, which, you know, sadly is the case that a lot of the Nazis we deal with are law enforcement officers. And so, yes, there is a clear problem with, you know, police that associate with Nazis and police that associate with people like the Proud Boys. So that's what Northeast Antifa is. Thank you, Guevara. So my question to you then is, if you are a collective of various groups here throughout this area, what, what is the primary 
goal or is there a primary goal? I heard you say to, I think I heard you say something to the effect of to, well, you didn't use this word. I'm going to use this word. Just the U.S. government is the issue. And I don't know that I disagree with that. But I guess I'm wondering what is the, what is the goal? What is the, when you're exposing people who may be Nazis or white supremacists, what is the goal in doing that? So when it comes to, I think, are you referring to doxing? Yeah, I'd be referring to doxing. So doxing is a necessary part of informing the community on if you have a Nazi that lives next to you. And we're not talking about your your MAGA Republican who might, you know, say the N-word. We're not really talking about that guy. Organized fascist. We're talking about people who have facilities in which they train with weapons to train for what they believe is an upcoming race war. We're talking about individuals who are working on making explosive devices. We're talking about individuals who are going out and causing terror in communities. In Vermont, with the Dylan Michael Chambers docs that we did, you know, you see that that individual was going out into the community and he was spreading Nazi propaganda literally everywhere. And he was training for a race war and he was recruiting in the Brattleboro community. So the doxing piece is just informing the community. But the thing is, is that we have a diversity of tactics within ourselves. I mean, we have the black block, right? When we get in black, we protect our identities when we counter protest and prevent these individuals and these groups from taking over spaces and being able to, to claim on their, their propaganda shoots that they took the streets. We're not going to allow that. We're not going to allow people to intimidate people that we love, intimidate ourselves to not be able to be proud to be black, be proud to be indigenous, be proud to be gay, whatever it is. And going on the part about the United States government as an anti-capitalist group, and some may call us an organization, Northeast Antifa specifically, right, we call ourselves a community organization. Um, but as a community organization, as Northeast Antifa, we have adopted the anti-capitalist narrative. We do seek for a socialist future, and we know and we believe that capitalism is not in the interests of the working class, and that the United States government is not in the interests of the working class, it is in the interests of the rich. We're not a vanguard. We're not engaging in a direct insurrection against the United States government. If we were to do that, in which the Trumpist propaganda would like you to believe that, look, we have law enforcement that follow every move that we do. One move that we do, we have comrades that end up in prison. I mean, this is a, a, a street war that goes on half of the time, and we're not the ones initiating it. We're the ones being beat. We're the ones ending up in prison for essentially doing nothing illegally, you know, nothing illegal half the time. You know, I mean, sure, you know, sometimes people in Black Bloc might do a little graffiti or they might, um, you know, get into a self-defense encounter with someone trying to murder them. But our, our behind the scenes organizing, it is not some terrorist plot. If we were to do that, we would get a RICO charge, we would all end up in prison. So you spoke about acting as a protector to people who are out in the streets claiming what's rightfully there is the right to be, you know, whomever they are, to be Black, to be LGBTQI, etc. Do the people in the community, are they are they asking you to be there as, as protectors? Or is this something that you as an organization believe it's what should be done? 
And that's a really good question that we, we have been asked a lot of times. And I think that there's two parts of that. We wouldn't ever associate that we are protectors. The events that we go to, we don't insert ourselves into communities. That's a really important piece of our organizing. Our organizing starts always with a group of individuals in a community that are already active in the community and say, hey, we just found out about you guys. You have resources. We want to get involved and we want a broader network to bring resources intercommunalism in the self-defense aspect of it all. But, you know, I think it's a complicated question. You know, some at any protest, there are always the individuals who do not support us, who think that we are doing that. Um, but I think that if you follow a lot of the stuff that we do, and if you did some investigative um, research and ask many groups about us, the groups that we actually work with, you know, in Boston, we are working with organizations. We are, we don't lead events, for example. We don't ever, we have organized events. We've co-organized events but we do not lead them. That's because we can't go to an event and scream, hey, we're Northeast Antifa. Everything we do is clandestine. Everything we do is very, very, very secret. It's, it's not, you know, you don't know. It's that in the crowd, there are people that are trained in, you know, usually de-escalation as a first tactic, but are trained that if there is someone that is going to go there and is going to try to hurt someone, we are going to prevent a neo-Nazi from attacking and potentially murdering someone or the police. Just to build off that, I know there's a lot of discussion about like things like Antifa entering into communities, but I think that's like comes from a place of not understanding that we are also members of our communities. We are in mutual aid networks. We are in all these places that this activism is occurring already. To say that like we are an outside force that's just entering in and colonizing spaces would just not be an accurate portrayal of us. It would make us seem as though we are not members of the community that we are supporting and we are like in camaraderie with and i just i think there's a conception that antifa is just outside radicals who just want to destroy things or create things and i think this is just comes from a place of reactionary fear and comes from a place of fear of community self-defense and fear of independence from state violence and what that could potentially mean yeah yeah and i appreciate that zell i i guess the point that i was trying to get to is that because you are clandestine and that you're working with certain organizations, that people who are present, they don't know that you are there, but they do know you are there because you're clothed in black. And so how do you counterbalance that when, if I'm in a, in a protest of a Friday action, and I don't know who you are, and I, and I don't know that you're a part of my community, then it kind of gives off a look or betrayal that you are not, right? And that, that, that 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 narrative can continue to carry because we don't know who you are. Definitely. And, you know, a first part to that is, you know, to really stress that we are not wearing black block to intimidate people. We are wearing black block because if we don't wear black block, you know, our, our very good friends in the FBI will throw our asses in prison or continually harass us as they already do. And it's also to prevent ourselves from harassment from far-right individuals who go there to take pictures and docs and figure out who we are. Uh, and then the second part of that is very little of the time do we actually use Black Bloc. I mean, in Northeast Antifa, and I can't speak for other anti-fascist groups, but for us, we have what we call Casual Bloc and Black Bloc. And Casual Bloc is you know, multicolored. It's just to protect your identity. But it's, you know, when you're at a, a mutual aid event, you know, you black 
block's not needed. It brings attention if there's a bunch of people just protesting and there's some militant-looking, you know, Antifa super soldier or whatever. So we wear the black block at events where there is a threat of, of violence towards us. We wear them, you know, for example, in Boston, just the other day, everybody was in black block, you know, 80%. And was everyone in Northeast Antifa? No. Northeast Antifa was 1% of the crowd, um, but everybody went uh, because it was an event organized by Northeast Antifa. And of course, we had help from marshals and medics and many other groups that helped out. But, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's a sad thing because a lot of people, I get, I get the fear. I get that there is, you know, you look at someone in black and the mask and it is intimidating, but I mean, look at police. It, it, it's, and are they not intimidating? Or, we don't even have any weapons on us. And if we do have weapons, it's, it's not a gun and they have the guns, they have the tear gas and they can kill you and they don't even, nothing happens, you know, so we're held accountable half the time. And I'd also like to say, point to me of a time that Antifa has slaughtered someone in the street. Um, you will find, you know, one example of an anti-fascist, yeah, shooting someone who was a right-wing terrorist trying to kill somebody else. So again, instead of attacking Black Bloc, you know, defensive tactics for our identity, the conversation should really be on the militia movement on the far right. WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7, your community radio station. This is Josh, and you've been listening to Derek and I speaking with Zell and Guevara of the Northeast Antifa organization. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I'd like to talk about what transpired in D.C. yesterday at the Capitol. Um, you know, because I'm 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 not a native Washingtonian, but it's been my home. Just witnessing yesterday what was happening, I wasn't surprised by it, right, at all. Um, but then I woke up this morning and realized, you know, this was a huge display of um, what it still means to, it, to live in a nation and in a world where white supremacy and capitalism reign supreme, right? Because as you mentioned already, uh, that had that been your organization or had been black people or any brown people that they would have been there would have been a massacre yesterday and so i guess i i wonder in knowing that 
as we do, like what is Northeast Antifa at the NEA, like is there a response to that? Or is there a way to that you as an organization will collectively organize people or bring people together so there will be a response because clearly there's not gonna be a response from, from the government. Definitely. And, you know, and that gets into what we talked about at the start is if, you know, the government's not for us, the government and the American system, anyone who has studied history, I mean, anyone who's marginalized in any sense knows that the United States government is not a government that supports its people or is even for its people. Um, and I think, you know, we are at the point in this resistance against capitalism, this resistance against fascism in which you know, this isn't new people, right? We had the Black Panther Party, we had the Weatherman Underground, we had many, many very radical organizations that tried to take on the American empire. Look, we know what happened to them in the 70s and the 80s, and the very few of them that are around, you know, Angela Davis, for example, it was either, you know, liberalize a little bit and get into you know, the more mainstream politically, seriously stop doing the radical confrontational politics, or end up like all your friends dead. So, I mean, I think that the only way we are going to move forward from this point is that people need to grasp that the police are not on your side. The American federal government is not on your side. And that the people that are on your side is your community, is the people that are in your family and, you know, your friends and your neighbors. Um, and the point of Northeast Antifa is that itself regionally is a network with tons of different subcells and cells everywhere. And, you know, I'm not saying in advertising Northeast Antifa, um, but even if it's just, you know, 10 friends or people need to get armed, you need to get organized, you need to get coordinated because the far right, they are training and they've been training for a race war. And it is not new to see people in this country get lynched. It is not new that this idea of right-wing death squads exist. And if we fail, in which many would argue we have already failed, then, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope that, you know, it's, it, I don't, if anyone is a gun owner, you know that you won't find ammo anywhere. People in this country are aware and I'm not going to preach alarmist stuff, you know, saying there's an upcoming civil war or anything, but there is a tension in this country. There is something massively wrong with this country. And what we are trying to doing, what we're trying to do is to really just get as many communities as we can involved within our network, get cells of people in as many communities spreading promotional material spreading education, getting involved in mutual aid, and pushing that community into defense, into the defensive um, mode. And, you know, we can, of course, disclose how we do that, but I think many people can think, you know, guns, training, learning, you know, mutual aid stuff, medic training, um, you know, knowing your land, um, field craft, you know, stuff like that. I mean, we're not a paramilitary, we're not a militia, you know, but we are a, we are a, trying to build a defensive force for communities. And we aren't going to be the ones to push what is to come in the future. Um, because we, we don't, 
we don't have the ability to. We are defending ourselves. And uh, I think the world has many examples of many, many countries that have gone down this very similar path and to believe that it won't happen here is to ignore what most of this country has felt for a very long time, yeah. especially if you're black. Yeah, and I guess I wonder, right? Um, now currently living in um, uh, Vermont myself um, and after hearing you speak, right? I think about the demographics of Vermont and it's like 98, maybe 99% white and Yes, we, if we study history, we know that the United States government is a repressive government. It has been here internally, and it also has been around the world, right? That's something that we know. But we also know that there's a lot of benefits to uh, being a part of, I mean, we can look at like our last election and look at how a large amount of people particularly white people voted for Trump, right? Um, and there, there was a rise in that, right? Because there's a comfort, in my opinion, there's a comfort with knowing that your nation can put its foot down anywhere in the world, right? Um, so we're okay with, in my opinion, okay with fascism. We're okay with capitalism and we're okay with white supremacy because there's a benefit. So how in a place like Vermont, whereas most times it's looked as being very liberal, uh, but also knowing the large block of people here who do benefit. So, so how, how do we, or how do you believe we get those people to see that there is no benefit to fascism, capitalism and white supremacy? And you know, that's a really, um, it's a really complicated thing to answer. It's, you know, what our literature teams and our poster teams and you know our whole design teams and PR is always trying to work on. But I, I really think that as the examples of fascism through history, and you know, as you know, Malcolm X talked about, and this idea of a white liberal, that a lot of people, when push comes to shove, it a lot of people are not willing to put their lives on the line um, for moralistic reasons. And you know, if you're black, if you're gay, I mean it's not like you, it's either that you sit down or shut up uh, or, and, you know, just continue the oppression and continue being pushed down until the point a right-wing death squad can reach the potential to just, you know, murder you um, or you organize. So, you know, I think that if you are white, do benefit from, you know, fascism, if you benefit from these systems, you know, I mean, capitalism is an exploitive system. We could talk about all of that, but I mean, if you love your neighbors, if you love the black your community, if you love the people, if you if you love marginalized people that are around you, if you love you know, if if you just love, if you're a person who loves, um, I would hope that you don't support fascism. But sadly, fascism, you know, goes into people's fears, and that fascism does benefit the white majority in this country, and it benefits the the majority in this country that you know is not gay and is not marginalized. So. Yeah, I know one thing we talk about a lot is like, and as you said, like whiteness and like the like a multitude of like privileges that exist within like the capitalist confines of the, the US empire. Um, they provide material benefits to those who engage in it or just allow those systems to continue. And so one thing, especially like I know we've talked a little bit about like things like mutual aid, and it kind of sounds like we just keep saying it over and over again, but an important thing to show is that engaging in leftist policy and engaging in leftist communities has material benefits for those 
who may have otherwise been swung towards fascism. It's saying that, yeah, maybe some wealth might trickle down, but what, what is a better life is if you and your community engage in mutually and supporting each other and no one, and maybe you organize your tenants in your house, in your, like, your building, and you figure out stuff like that. That is like things that are leftist ideology that do have material benefits to those who engage with them. And I think showing people that there are material benefits to leftism that we can, that you can feel and that you see all around you is one way that we can swing the country away from fascism. And I think it's kind of one of the most crucial ways that we need to start on every single day and always need to be working towards. It's that leftism has material benefits and we will show that in like a multitude of ways. And if that's just community defense, if it's just mutual aid, if it's just organizing your workplace or democratizing your workplace, these things will be felt and these things will be heard. So yeah, I think that's one thing that's important. Yeah, and to also add on to that, I think another important piece to um, to talk about is that, you know, we are not coming from ideological grounds. Um, we're coming from grounds based on, you know, material reality for the majority of Americans and the, the reality for many, many people. And, you know, if you benefit, right, from, from white supremacy, if you benefit from, from fascism, you know, the, the pushing of class consciousness, and I think really in the American context, is that if you are not rich, if you are not on the top of the ladder, you, and if you are not a part of this dictatorship of the, of the rich that we talk about, that what America is, you are oppressed. I mean, e even if you are a white person that goes to, you know, work and, and you, you don't really feel the, the burn of, of fascism that many others do, I mean, you are oppressed by the American government. You have no control in your government. I mean, a lot of people, especially in Vermont and in the Brattleboro community, you know, Bernie ran two times. He, he didn't win two times. We're not going to get the universal health care that we wanted. We're not going to get, you know, a lot of the policies that the social democracy that Bernie Sanders advocated for. Um, so, I mean, I think really just recognizing the fact that we are all exploited by capitalism, the earth is exploited by capitalism, we are all oppressed under a government, and of course the oppression varies, you know, of course the oppression of a black person is very different from the oppression of a white person, but that if you are under a government that is systematically preventing you from, you know, having a say in your society is, is a dictator forcing itself on you as a monopoly of violence to maintain its system of capitalism and to spread the American empire and imperialism around the world. You are in this fight. You just really have to wake up and, and get involved in this fight. You know, and, and different people fight different ways. I'm not saying that everybody has to get in black block and go to the streets. That's not for everybody. But what I do ask on the very minimum is that don't sell out your community members that are trying to make a difference and are trying to defend themselves. And do not make a false equivalency of violence. If you imagine a playground and you imagine a bully punching and punching and punching this kid and the kid just punches the bully back, the violence is, it's not that it's like some moralistic thing as, okay, violence is always wrong. You can't fight fire with fire. No, it's that someone is getting the crap kicked out of them and that the only thing they can do is punch back. You can't be the big guy and walk away. So don't, don't equate that violence. It's not the same. And we're not advocating for violence. We're just saying, stop punching us. 
leave us alone, allow us to be in our communities and to be at peace in which we are not because we are being every day oppressed and we are feeling the direct oppression. If you get involved in anti-fascism, you're going to feel, and just leftist organizing in general, you know, when you challenge the system, it doesn't take, you know, some militant organization. It really just takes a person that can get involved and you're going to feel the, the pushback from the state. And it is violent. It is always violent. It's a violent pushback from standing with a sign even half the time. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, our struggles are all connected and how we organize against it is important. So I think that the sort of the tactics that that Antifa and Northeast Antifa are taking, I think that it's really important that we consider that there are multiple ways to achieve the liberation we're looking to achieve for all of us. I mean, we've seen the violence in Charlottesville. We've seen the violence on January 6th. We've seen the violence every day on the, in the news, on our own lives, where people are being killed for white supremacist ideas and, and pro-capitalist agendas. So thank you all for doing that work of organizing in such a way that provides a network of support for communities at a very local level too, because this isn't just like a national, like, idea. This is a very local idea at times, I think. Definitely. You know, and it, it is based in the idea of community. It's in Northeast Antifa specifically as a network. You know, we like to think about it as a lot of the organizing is on the local level, but also, I mean, if there is an event in Boston, if fascists are going to Boston, you know, we will bring in people from communities around Boston. And it's really about the Let's say a bunch of fascists show up in Brattleboro, which I doubt they will just because of the nature of Brattleboro. But, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, I don't think people that are marginalized in Brattleboro, um, especially not me, and, you know, and I'm not in Brattleboro, but, you know, me and my community, um, I would want there to be a presence of 50, 100 people that are just going to prevent them from tearing down a pride flag from and, and not even if it's if it's anything like that just to know that they are not welcome there that they are not a part of that community um and that also a, a huge piece of northeast antifa is that i mean new england this is a small place this is a and as a region we have a regional culture we have a regional community um and i think that we need to work together on the regional level the nazis they're interstate they go from different towns and different states and different areas. So instead of tons and you know, people were bringing up you know local anti-fascist efforts. And while of course there are Brattleboro anti-fascists that organize, I personally and this is not you know uh, trying to be offensive to more localized anti-fascists who not like to be involved in larger organizing efforts. The purpose of large organizing isn't I mean, we cover identities there's no opportunism out of this because we're not getting anything out of it but it's for the resource capability it's for the intel dylan chambers no one knew about him we did how because we have resources and when you get a lot of people from many different communities involved together and you know in an intersectional alliance 
you have black communities in Boston um, technically a part of the same network as Brattleboro. I, I don't see what's wrong about that, you know, and I think that if we're going to talk about anti-capitalism, if we're going to talk about moving forward from capitalism and defending our communities, you know, we have to get into, okay, well, you know, the American empire is wrong. America is built, you know, on indigenous land. And, you know, it is a colonial estate. So, so what's next? Are we going to have an American socialist republic? Probably not. Are we going to have balkanization? Most likely. Well, it's New England. I mean, I'm not saying a New England, like to LARP on secessionism or anything, but, you know, Brattleboro, we are communities. We need to stick together. We need to pull our resources together. We need to defend ourselves. And at the end of the day, it is about food. It is about water. It is about resources. It is about protection. And some people will say, okay, well, these are just young kids that are radical, trying to be thugs. Um, and for one, that's factually wrong. We don't have many college stage students. Many people are parents. Many people are mothers, fathers. And also, the, we, I just want to push the, the focal point that if, if people trusted the state, people trusted law enforcement, then why did law enforcement deal with Dylan Chambers? Why did law enforcement deal with people in D.C.? Why hasn't the government, why hasn't our saviors, why is this a problem? Why, why, why are most cops involved in this white supremacy directly? I'm sorry, there's no trusting police and people who want to believe that they can trust police, you know, I'm just telling you, you're, I'm sorry, you're not seeing the reality of what's happening and you're not seeing what is happening in Boston, you're not seeing what's happening in DC, you're not seeing what's happening in Portland, you're not seeing what is happening to the people who are feeling the direct burn um, of these fascists, you know, because if you are, you know, if you're gay, if you're really anything, and you see that swastika on, you know, a pole or something in public, you know that there is a Nazi near you who's putting that stuff up. When you see a Northeast Antifa sticker on a pole, you know that there are people out there that are, you know, we don't just put it over, we're putting it over Nazi stuff, by the way, it's on purpose. Um, but, you know, you know that there are people in your community that are also like you and don't like Nazis. And just like in terms of like I know you said like thank you guys for doing this organizing, but like there's no thanks or like gratitude. Like we are the community that we are defending. Like we are we do this not only for like for ourselves, for like the ones we love. And like it's you can't really draw a boundary between those two things. I just know like as a group that's like filled with like queer people and POCs and black, it's just like this is like we defend ourselves and we defend our communities because the state refuses to. And I think a problem that we encounter a lot is this I, this liberal pacifism that exists inside of the United States that isn't really pacifist even in any sort of way because it allows for state violence. It doesn't recognize state violence as violence. It doesn't recognize imperial violence as violence. It often doesn't like count violence towards like oppressed communities as actual violence. And I think it's just pointing out to those sets of people that say, why do you go on the streets? Why are you so aggressive towards Nazis, which is an insane question that we get asked a lot and have to answer too many times, is because that's how we keep us. We keep us safe. The state does not keep us safe. And violence sometimes is necessary for that. And it's disgusting. And I don't think any of us want to have to engage with that. It's, it hurts us. We get physically injured on like the lines that we do. And we get like, like we've said earlier, we get arrested, we get like imprisoned. And we recognize that 
we want to defend we like we need people to recognize that we are defending our communities by any means necessary and so oftentimes pacifism as it exists in the united states context is just a fallacy it is ideologically not sound it does not exist you cannot be a pacifist in the united states con like context by standing out and not doing anything in the face of state violence that is violence like liberals sitting on the side that is violent and it's and to decry violence while doing that is to be a hypocrite and i don't mean to come across as too aggressive or anything like that but yeah yeah and just also adding on to that piece you know if you're an individual that prefers you know quote-unquote peaceful protesting again we're not attacking you we're it's just that like if you're for peaceful protesting that's awesome most of the stuff we do is peaceful protesting, but don't throw us under the bus. Do not throw marginalized people trying to defend themselves under the bus, because if you're doing that, you're not on our side. Yeah, and I, I agree, uh, Zell. It's like the historian Howard Zinn said, you can't be neutral in a moving train. But uh, Guevara, I just wanted to um, clarify, you were speaking about the, the New England area and you were talking about the defending of resources and, um, you know, like land and water, et cetera. And I guess I want you to clarify who, who, are, who are you defending that against? What, I'm a little confused. So Do you mean? Because you were speaking about um, Nazis and then you made mention of like defending we are coming together to defend like our resources defend our land etc uh, and I want got you uh, yeah like yeah so I guess what I'm what I'm saying by that is that corporations you know I mean to talk about the small business owner let's be real everyone it is not the small business owner world anymore there are corporations many of which are not even from here and they are exploiting our land they are taking our resources you know, there are homeless people throughout this region. I mean, the, for example, the community of Brattleboro, the resources around Brattleboro, that is all of ours. The trees, to the water, to the food that we grow on the land. You know, and honestly, to, to be honest, it's not they're growing food in our land and selling it back to us. They're growing food in our land and then shipping it somewhere else and then selling us something else, part of you know, this huge, ginormous system. I think, you know, once someone said this to us when they were going through a vetting, they said, wow, you guys are not ideological. You're really talking about resources, defense, and, you know, more of the realism out of that. And that was one of the main focuses of getting involved in this because, you know, we are trying to build an alternate community, not alternate of the community, but we're trying to build an alternate vision. I mean, we do not give up. We do not give up our campaign of defense until every community in which we are involved in, every community part of our network is liberated and controls its own resources and controls its own destiny. And that's the big piece of what we've called quote unquote, Northeastern self-determination, which is this idea that our communities are self-determined in controlling what happens in our community. And to also add on to that piece, uh, we 100% support the liberation of black people and we 100% support the liberation of indigenous people um, and that comes down to that if there was an indigenous movement and there were indigenous people in this region that said we want you know our own area we, we, we want to have our own communities and not have the colonialism of other communities we would support that same with any other community um, that is seeking to do that and including Brattleboro 
you know, that is a community and the members and, you know, part of NEA in Brattleboro want to see a Brattleboro in which the community of Brattleboro runs Brattleboro and has self-determination. Like it's, we're taking democracy seriously in like the most direct sense. It's, that's what self-determination is for us. It's, it's why would we worry about larger, lofty like goals of like, oh, the perfect socialist utopia as Marx or like Engels or anyone like that wrote. Those things, when it comes down to the material conditions of people, that was like hundreds of years ago in different places. And what we, what we focus on is the material conditions of the people in our communities. There should be no one who's forced to be unhoused. There should be no one who is um, like dealing with food insecurity. We have the food, we have the housing. And we know we do. And the fact of the matter is there's a corporate wall that exists between the people whose land that that food is growing on and whose houses are torn down to build those luxury condos. Those people have a right to housing and to food. And I think we can all agree on that. And I think that it is important that we realize that we have the power to take that. We, have, we deserve it. It is being stolen from us. It has been exploited from the people for centuries. And we'll continue on as long as the American empire and capitalism flourish. So yeah. I know this could go on, but I, I like that I have like more questions. Uh, simply because like when you say that, Del, that I, I I guess I wonder like, you know, right, we everybody, everyone deserves to be able to determine how they want to exist in this world and they should have access to clean water and housing and, and healthcare. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And then I wonder and think, how do we how do we help people? all people understand that for themselves. Well, I think, you know, there's two kind of pieces you can go towards, you know, fixing these problems. There's the piece of, you know, we can't do that, we, we can't do that, and we, we need to just get people food. And, you know, then there's the piece which is like, we need to defend our communities because we are having, we are, we are under oppression, we are under exploitation. And I think for when it comes to Northeast Antifa, First and foremost, Northeast Antifa is a defensive mechanism for individuals who join. You know, if you are trans and you are in a community that is very transphobic, being a part of Northeast Antifa means that there are comrades that have your back and that you will organize with comrades and yeah, you're going to protect each other. You're not going to allow someone to hurt someone else. And I think broader speaking, for us, we are seeing the vision um, to start when it comes to a, a multitude of, of different tactics in a front um, and to have groups like us that focus on, you know, more direct confrontation and training and self-defense practice and community defense practice, and then to really push forward mutual aid organizing. A goal and the larger goal is that we will be able to go to homeless people. We will be able to go to people that struggle uh, and not just, you know, put them in some plan and try to, you know, grow your network larger, but we'll just have the resources and the cash at that point to say, don't have a home, live here, don't have food, we will provide that food. And that's the broader goal. The broader goal is that um, we are trying to provide services for the community. Um, and, you know, the government is a monopoly on violence and we are trying to be a monopoly on self-defense. And we're also trying to be able to provide social services to to individuals and instead of again inserting ourselves because there are tons of organizations that already engage in that 
we figured out that logistical work is better on a regional level in bringing that organizing to the region. You know, for example, let's say one mutual aid group needs a hundred um, tents for the homeless. Uh, instead of them going on this huge campaign, there might be 30 other mutual aid groups scattered throughout the region um, that you know, each have 10 or five or whatever. And we have a logistics committee, which of course does logistical stuff and we could get that to that area. So that's one thing that we're trying to work on when it comes to networking. Yeah, and I, I guess what I'm, what I, I guess I'll use your example and, and what my previous comment was meant to bring across. You're right, I can be, I can be trans and I can, and because I am trans, um, and that is seen as being somehow against current standing in society, I could be attacked. And so therefore your organization, well, you, NEA, will be there to support me through if there is violence towards me, right? But then also as a trans person um, being born and, and, grow, and have grown up here in the uh, United States, I can also still be deeply entrenched in capitalism in the thought of capitalism, I can be deeply entrenched in white supremacy. And I can also be deeply entrenched in patriarchal ideas, Christian patriarchal ideas. And so how, you know, how do I, or how do organizations shift people from, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm protected and I can defend myself, but there's also this internal stuff that if not addressed, will continue to perpetrate itself. So I can be, have food in my belly and a home to live in. But if I still believe that all of these other things are right, right, then then what does it matter that I'm housed in a home? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a little confused at what you're getting at, but I'm gonna to try to answer that. And, you know, let's say, for example, we had a trans individual who got involved and was spewing racist belief, they'd be kicked out of the organization. I mean, we have, um, I don't want to call it political education or anything, but, you know, individuals who join our organization um, get vetted and they need to fall into line and that we are an intersectional alliance and that we don't throw other groups under the bus and that you can't be involved with us if you, you can't be, you know, for example, you cannot be a black man who's anti-Semitic and involved in our group. You know, I'm sorry. We're, we have Jews in our group, and we're just not going to have them deal with that. And like in terms of like how do we can like convert might be the wrong word and carries so much weight to it, but like maybe we did help in the community defense of a trans individual who is still deeply capitalist and is still potentially a white supremacist, and in, as you said, like in deely entrenched in like Christian political uh, patriotic. Oh my gosh, excuse me, patriarchal um ideals and i think for us like it comes back to early like a lot of those stem from the benefit the material benefits that those things have created for that individual and showing people that there are material benefits to things like mutual aid and tenant organization and really bringing that to the forefront of the conversation like say we go help people who have just been laid off we say like first and foremost all we care about is relieving material condition we say here's help with rent like this is in the future, like here's help with rent, here's help with food. And after they're settled, we say, we're really sorry that this corporation did this to you after years of exploiting your labor. And like, this is how we're gonna help prevent you in the future by getting you in touch with this union or getting you in touch with this tenant union and so on. And it's about realizing that we want to address the material 
problems that get created by capitalism and by white supremacy. We want to um, act as the, a band-aid to those things, but we also want to stop, as the early metaphor was, the bully from punching further. And so it's we do want to relieve material conditions, but we also do not want to stop the examination of the causes of those problems and that exploitation. I think it's important to do both at the same time while prioritizing the, the relief of material problems. I think that is how we bring people to a place where they want to help their community more and realize the problems of individualism as it exists in the United States. And yeah, I think that's kind of our main goal is to first help and then potentially be like, and this is why this happened. These people got picked out because a massive corporation moved to Boston, built luxury condos, and they stopped them from organizing in defense of those perhaps like subsidized homes. And I think it's about the, that kind of combination of things. We, we are not a charity in the sense that we want to go around just giving food out with not without asking the question, why do people need food? And I think the American public needs to create that question in its consciousness. Why do these problems keep happening? Why have these institutions been fighting poverty for hundreds of years? Why have these institutions been fighting for rent control for hundreds of years? Why are there still homeless people in the richest country of the world? And that answer comes back to a combination of the fact that you white supremacy requires those things. Capitalism requires those things. The existence of patriarchy requires those things. And as long as we can raise that question into people's consciousness, even, even a little bit, is how we start to trigger a reaction of a general class consciousness and a general understanding of the US empire in its most disgusting terms. And I think that's kind of how we want to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah and I, no, I, I appreciate that because I'm there with you. I think that both have to happen at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think adding on to that, you know, a, a big piece is that um, Northeast Antifa specifically, and I, you know, when speaking, again, we are not speaking as representatives of Antifa. Of course, that isn't a thing. We're speaking as representatives of Northeast Antifa, a specific Northeast uh, community organization in New England. Um, you know, with a lot of this stuff, a lot of leftist talking, you can get into a lot of word games, you can get into a lot of spirals. Um, and I think really what drew the um, the momentum around specifically Northeast Antifa is that um, we are focusing on a, a, a basis that we are under an oppressive system, we are under an exploitative system, and that um, we we're not going to sit back anymore. We're not going to wait for, we're not gonna, we're not gonna work with the system. We're not going to try to lobby for politicians. That has failed again and again and again. We are at this point, you know, we see climate change. We know anyone that has studied or, you know, really focused and listened to scientists knows that if this world, and I think one big thing is, I don't think that we're going to be prepared for climate collapse. I think climate collapse is just going to happen. And it's already happening. You know, coronavirus, there's a lot of evidence, you know, pushing that towards that there is a huge piece with climate change. And that with this, yes, people, we are experiencing a, a massive, massive change in the world. We are experiencing where there are riots happening around the world. There are uprisings happening. Um, and there is an uprising that just happened in this country that was suppressed and that, um, you know, we're not playing children's games anymore. 
this has to do with people's lives. This is um, this has to do with many many fallen comrades. You know, after the civil rights movement, um, and which many argued was liberalized. You know, once we reach the 70s and the late 60s, you know, we have the black community that says, you know, I'm done. I'm I'm sick of this. I'm I'm just I'm sick of working within the system. So you had the Black Panthers, and then you had many other radical organizations. So I think really what Northeast Antifa is, is just that we're not going to play word games anymore. We're, we know as our specific organization and in the communities we operate in, this isn't about other states. This isn't like we care about our community. This is about defending our resources. This is about defending us. And this is really about building a new community and mainly liberating our communities it's what we're involved in is very different. We're not a um, we're not a protest group. We're not a um, an affinity organization. We are an organization engaging in a war that is being done onto us. We are an organization that is organizing, using many different tactics to defend our resources and to defend ourselves. Because when we don't do that, many people are already dying. People like it's. They are killing us, and we are saying no to that. Thank you guys for that. That's about it for time we have. Zell Guevara, is there anything last you wanted to say that we didn't cover? Um, I just wanted to really end this kind of whole piece. Um, just really, you know, because a lot of the speech, a lot of the things that we said, you know, may come off as scary to many people, may come off as very militant speech. And I just really want to push the fact that, you know, one of the official things that we say is, as an, a group, we do not incite violence or illegal activity, and we do not engage in stuff that puts uh, the community at harm, and we are not terrorists. And while some will want to claim that we are terrorists, we are not causing terror. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. Uh, you've been listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 Brattleboro Communities Radio Station. Quick community notice, uh, starting at the end of this month, the Spark Teacher Education Institute will be hosting its Solidarity Film Series at 7 p.m. on Fridays. It's a free virtual screening followed by a discussion connecting the film to the work in our communities and schools. You can sign up uh, by emailing the Spark Teacher Ed VT at gmail.com. You can also find more information on Facebook and on Instagram as well. You can also follow Indigo Radio on Instagram and on SoundCloud and Apple PodPlay. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. Stay safe, wear a mask. Have a good one. There's no place in this world where I'll belong when I'm gone. And I won't know the right from the wrong when I'm gone And you won't find me singing on this song when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here And I won't feel the flowing of the time when I'm gone All the pleasures of love will not be mine when I'm gone My pen won't pour a lyric line when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here
And I won't breathe a brace of air when I'm gone And I can't even worry about my cares when I'm gone Won't be asked to do my share when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here And I won't be running from the rain when I'm gone And I can't even suffer from the pain when I'm gone Can't say who's to praise and who's to blame when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here Won't see the golden of the sun when I'm gone And the evenings and the mornings will be one when I'm gone Can't be singing louder than the guns while I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here All my days won't be dances of delight when I'm gone And the sands will be shifting from my sight when I'm gone Can add my name into the fight while I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here And I won't be laughing at the lies when I'm gone And I can't question how or when or why when I'm gone Can't live proud enough to die when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here There's no place in this world where I'll belong when I'm gone And I won't know the right from the wrong when I'm gone And you won't find me singing on this song when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it I guess I'll have to do it Guess I'll have to do it While I'm here